family, happy Thanksgiving to you, and uh, welcome to the teaching for this week. If I haven't had the chance to meet you, my name is John, and I have the wonderful privilege of, of being the pastor at Reality. Well, we're here uh, in another unique week where we're unable to get back into our building because of the air quality tests, but I'm very grateful that we're able to get together in this way. And I know that many of you are meeting around the city with each other in homes, so I've geared our teaching time to, uh, to you and the gathering that you have together if you're watching it with other people. So I'm going to share a little bit of a story that brings together a lot of the themes that we've been talking about. Uh, to try to flesh it out and give a real-life example of some of the things that we've been saying in this What is Church series. And I'm going to invite you to a practice, a practice of thankfulness. Uh, and that may take up all of your time. So if, you, if you're done after that, feel free to just shut it off and, and um, you know, move along with your day. But I'm going to finish up with a, a, a teaching, a short teaching on the spiritual gifts. How do we learn to work together in our differences in gifts? So first I wanted to share, like I said, a bit of a story and a reflection on my own life of, of some of the things that we've been talking about in this What is Church series. Well, I, I just got to be honest and say that last couple weeks have been a very, very frustrating and difficult ones for me. Uh, as you know, the chapel is currently closed down. I'm taping this on Friday. The chapel is still closed. We can't get in at all. They're testing the air quality in there to make sure that it's safe for us to regather and we really hope that we'll be avail able to do that by next week. But uh, it's just feels like another setback in a couple years, honestly, of setbacks with COVID and with my personal health journey and uh, with all sorts of different things that have been happening in our church community. And, and we, we have some gained some momentum coming into September. Uh, there was more people there. It felt like we were getting into a rhythm. But um, then all of a sudden, we're not able to meet in the chapel. And it feels like taking one step forward and three steps back. So last week we, we met on Zoom uh, as a, in a live gathering and when I preach on Zoom, I, I go to another uh, office to preach from there. I don't preach from home because there's too much going on there. So as I was riding, I was just praying and God brought up uh, a, some themes that have been in my life for this entire time basically that I've been pastoring because I'm, I'm just kind of venting my frustration to God and I think he wants us to bring those laments and frustrations to him. But I felt... Uh, just as I was riding and looking out on False Creek and riding up the hill towards this office, just God's invitation to me to, to not only to lament, but to learn to be grateful and thankful, not to walk down the path of bitterness. Now, if I zoom back out and, and talk about what we've talked about in this series, I would say that God is, in a sense, putting up a boundary for me uh, in order to pass into as his, as his child. We've talked about two ways of looking at spiritual growth and what it means to follow Jesus. One is a bounded set. This is where we put up a boundary or a line and we say these people are in, usually because they agree with these things and these people are out. The other way of looking at it, which I'm advocating for, uh, is a centered set. Which way is your life moving? Is it moving towards God or away from Jesus? And is it, uh, it doesn't matter how far you are away, but which way is the arrow directed? And so I'd say this, as a person who's following God and wants my arrow to point to Jesus, you know, I, I have become a follower of Jesus a long time. I passed that boundary a long time ago, but God's putting a new one in front of me at this season of my life. He's inviting me to try to become, uh, to become a person like Jesus, to become a thankful and a grateful person, to develop that in my life instead of becoming a person who's bitter and uh, likes to complain. Now, we could say that every Christian at all times should learn to be thankful. You know, if you've read the Bible at all or looked at the life of Jesus, you'll know that bitterness and complaining are not things or grumbling are not things uh, that the Bible encourages. 
Uh, instead, we are to emulate Jesus and to become people that are thankful because no matter what's going on in our lives, God is here and, and Jesus has invited us into his family. In fact, I, I pray with some friends in Oppenheimer a couple times a week, and this morning we were praying, and uh, this was the verse that we prayed from James 5. Brothers and sisters, do not complain. Do not complain about one another so that you will not be judged. Look, the judge stands at the door. I don't know about you, but oftentimes when I think of God as the judge, I think of, you know, this the idea of, of heaven and hell that God will judge the sinners, but I don't often think of my complaining in that same vein. But here, James is writing and saying, hey, don't complain. That You'll be judged for that. So I, I would say that that is a boundary for all time, that, that we as followers of Jesus are not to be complaining, not to be bitter people. Um, and this is one of the reasons I don't really like bounded sets is because I have yet to see a church you know, website where they put up their statement of faith that says, we are going to be people that are not bitter. As followers of Jesus, we do not allow bitterness or complaining or grumbling in our community. No, oftentimes what we put as statements of faith about, you know, what we believe about the Bible or how Jesus is the only way to God. And, and those things are true, but we leave out certain things. Uh, and those things we leave out to our detriment. And oftentimes they're things about our character, which is where I find God often wants to speak to me. So anyways, that's what's going on in my life and, and how it relates to this series. So I'm, I'm riding my bike up to uh, the, this office and I'm struggling through that this morning. I'm struggling through the, the uh, invitation of God to be a thankful and grateful person despite our circumstances. So we start the Zoom gathering and it, it goes okay. You know, um, nothing remarkable, I would say. The great, uh, great video of worship. So grateful for all those who contributed. But afterwards, uh, I stuck on, we stuck on as we usually do, just to say hi to a few people and, uh, and just connect with one another. And there was a new guy that was there towards the end, uh, I noticed, and um, I, said, I said hi to him and asked him to introduce himself. You know, how did you, why are you here? And he said he was calling in from Turkey. And he used to be a Muslim guy, but he recently became a follower of Jesus and had to flee from his home country of Iran. And he just talked about his journey of faith and his desire to follow Jesus, his hunger to be baptized. And it was just an encourage, super encouraging story. So I said, thanks, that's just an amazing story. Thanks for sharing it. Um, and then he said, yeah, I'm, I'm really trying to get out of uh, Turkey and go to Germany. He's got a very short visa there and he feels like he can't go back to Iran uh, because he said he would be killed if he went back there. So he's trying to get to Germany. And I said, oh, actually, we, we have a church that we helped to start and we continue to support in Berlin. So maybe I can connect you with them and see if they have any resources for um, helping you get to Germany. And so he said, thank you. And, and then this week I connected him with Joe and Joel who uh, planted a church in Germany. So it was like one of those really interesting connections that happened. And then as he was talking, another person popped onto the screen that I'd never seen before in my life. And this person had just happened to join one of the families watching uh, our online gathering. And he said, hey, can I hop in for a minute? I'm actually from Afghanistan. I've never joined your community before, but decided to come today because of some friends. And so I just wanted to say hi to this guy from Iran. So I said, sure. So for about five minutes, these two guys just talked to each other in Arabic, just encouraging one another, listening to each other's stories. And the rest of us uh, on the call, you know, we didn't, we don't speak Arabic. But it was just this amazing moment where these two people who have never, ever joined in for a call or been part of our church, were able to minister to one another and encourage each other. So when they were done, um, uh, the guy said, I got to get going here, but thank you so much for letting me join. And I said, oh, thank you. This has been awesome. I just have one question for you. How did you hear about 
you know, our church in Vancouver. He said, oh, I have a hard time founding, finding a church here in Turkey, but I have some friends who live in Vancouver and they say that there's really good churches there. So I just Googled real churches in Vancouver and yours was the first one, Reality Church, that came up to the top. And it turned out just this week that you were having an online gathering that I could join in. So I, I made time and I joined in today. And at that point, I just had to laugh because if you don't know, I actually really don't like the name of our church. I, I find in Vancouver that it comes across as slightly pretentious um, when we're saying like we're part of reality or reality church. But if it wasn't for the name of this church, that guy would never have joined. And all these connections wouldn't have been made and, and hopefully uh, some steps forward for him to leave uh, Turkey and go to, to Germany. So why do I share this story? Well, so many of the things that happened in this last week were, were pretty negative for me. And part of the reason they were so negative, I think, as I reflect back, is because I was looking at life from within the imminent bubble. This is another theme that we've been talking about, that back in the day, people were open to the activity of the transcendent and God in their life. They just expected God to be at work, so they interpreted the things that happened in their life and in their world through that grid. And therefore, they saw God at work more often in their lives. But uh, as the philosopher Charles Taylor says, we've built this, this frame around ourselves. He calls it the imminent frame. And you can think of it like a, a bubble that closes us off to the work of God. And, and the work of God becomes very fuzzy and hard to identify in our lives. And as, as, I, as I reflected back on this experience with this guy uh, calling in, um, I realized that I was looking at my life through mostly imminent frame. You know, all of my prayers were focused on God helping me inside of this bubble. You know, God, can you hurry these renovations in our church? Would the air quality tests come back negative? But this conversation with this guy from Turkey was like God poking holes in that bubble. And he's asking me to pay attention, pay attention to what's going on and not just look at life within my small little bubble, but to be open to what God might be doing in and through these circumstances. And so it was an invitation to see that no matter what was going on in my life and, and, and with our church building and our church community, that God is always at work. And maybe everything is not all about me and interpreting it only through me and my little story inside of my little bubble, but opening myself up to see what God is doing in the world. And so I found I had a choice. I could see all the different things that happened in that in that. Uh, online gathering as a weird coincidences. And maybe they were, you know, uh, if you're not a follower of Jesus, you might just say, oh, that's just like an odd coincidence that this guy from Turkey called in. And at the same time, you know, a church from uh, in Germany, and there's a guy from Afghanistan, and your name is reality, like all those things are just coincidences, or as they call them in my hometown, coinkydinks. But I can see it as a follower of Jesus as an invitation to a larger story, that there is a God who is at work beyond space and time, and, and me as uh, one individual and us as a, as a group of people who follow Jesus get to be a part of his bigger story. And he's always inviting us to that story. If, if what the Bible say is, says is true, then God is always at work. He wants to be with us and he's at work within our world, ministering and working, and our job is to watch and wait. And so I just got down on my knees after that phone call and took the opportunity to worship God. To choose to say, God, you brought this person here today. Maybe I can't always see what you're doing in the world, but today it's almost like you gave me a little bit of sneak peek to see that you're at work, 
And so I choose to praise you despite our circumstances, despite whatever happens with our building and whenever we're able to get back in there. And I thank you for letting me and letting us as a church just be a part, a small part of your story and what you're doing in the world. So today is Thanksgiving, and we usually thank God for the material things that uh, we have in our lives, at least. Uh, I don't know if you do that, but around our table, we go around and we just say one or two things that we're thankful for. And you know, it's usually uh, we have this home or we have our health or we have these relationships. And those are great things to be thankful for. And surely each one of us, uh, no matter our circumstances, has one or two of those things to be thankful for. And it's good to sometimes reflect on that. But today I, I wanna invite you to a, a practice uh, to, to be extra careful about looking beyond just the things inside of the imminent bubble, inside of your little story and frame. You know, my health, my, our church building, the relationships that I have, as wonderful as those things are. And, and just to open yourself up to a bigger story like we've been talking about, to watch and wait for God, to see that he's at work, and that maybe thankfulness looks like praising God that he is just with you as you gather with other you know, family members of our church, that God is with them and, and God is with you through their faces. That maybe it's, it's to be thankful that God hasn't given up on you. Maybe your life is not going well and, and what God is doing right now is just knocking at your door like he's been knocking at mine to say, be grateful. Stop being so bitter. Be grateful. Maybe that's what he's doing right now. Maybe it's not just this like overflowing feeling of love that you have, but God's invitation to a new boundary in your life saying, come on in. And that's, that's grace that he hasn't given up on me and he hasn't given up on you. And that's something to be thankful for, that the God of the universe is active and at work in our life. So I just invite you to take the next five minutes or so just to quietly, if you can, I know some of you might have kids running around and stuff like that, but just to watch and wait and just to ask God, where have I missed your presence with me in this past week or in this past year? Where am I taking you for granted? Where am I living as if you're far or distant outside of my bubble rather than a God who's near and at work in my life? And then in prayer, just to, as God identifies those things to you, as you watch and wait for his spirit at work and listen, would you step into, in prayer, just, just um, commit to stepping into whatever it is that God has for you. And then take three or four minutes to do that. Uh, and then if you're with a group of people, I encourage you just to share. What is, what is it that you're sensing God? Uh, work, how, how is he at work in your life and in your world? And how are you committing to following him? And just pray through. Pray prayers of thankfulness for one another. And then um, if you have time, you pause the video, uh, come back, and we'll talk a little bit about spiritual gifts. All right, welcome back. If that exercise was about looking back in our lives and asking what God has done, how he has been at work, watching and waiting to see how he is at work in our lives. This next section is about watching and waiting for how he is at work in the lives of other people and in our community through the spiritual gifts. So I'm just going to take about 15 minutes, 20 minutes to read through this passage in 1 Corinthians. There's lots of different passages in the New Testament that talk about gifts, but we're just going to walk through this one to learn a little bit about what, what the Bible says about how God has gifted us to serve each other and to form a church family. And I'm just going to read through it and then kind of comment as we go along. I won't be able to hit on everything, but I hope that this provides some really great conversation for you uh, with whoever you're meeting with. So 1 Corinthians 12, uh, verse 1. Paul writes, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be unaware. I don't want you to be unaware. 
Paul is hitting on a theme we've talked about already, that the church is a learning community. Paul wants us to learn about it. And maybe for you, uh, spiritual gifts is something that makes you super nervous. You're like, ah, this is kind of crazy town and I am not feeling comfortable. For others of you, you might be like, finally, let's talk about spiritual gifts. That's okay. Whatever you, wherever you come from, we're a fellowship of difference. Paul wants us to be a learning community, to learn how God wants to work through us to show his face in the world. Verse 2, he continues, You know that when you were pagans, you used to be enticed and led astray by mute idols. This picks up on a really important theme in the Bible, that when our lives aren't, aren't directed towards the person and work of Jesus, our arrows aren't pointed in that direction, they're pointed in another direction. But it's not just a direction of freedom or liberation. We're actually pulled there by other gods. He calls them idols. And he uses the word mute here. He says that these gods ultimately will let us down because they can't communicate with us they can't be in the relationship that we were made for since the beginning of time to be with this God who walks with us, who is close to us, and even dwells in us and, and, and calls us to, to know him in a way that we can reflect him into the world. So verse 3, he continues. This is what it looks like when God speaks. Therefore, I want you to know that, one that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus is cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, this is one where I want to sidebar for 20 minutes and have a long conversations with people. If you have questions, love to chat with you. For our purposes today, all Paul is, is contrasting is these mute idols who lead us astray and the speaking God who wants to work through us to speak into the world. But of course, if God is speaking through us, we have to figure out what it means to figure out is God speaking or is God not speaking? And so Paul throws up one of these ways to know, one of these tests in this passage. To say Jesus is cursed would mean that a person does not have the Spirit speaking through them. To say Jesus is Lord and have your life pointed in that direction towards Jesus would be to, to say I have the Holy Spirit in me. So God is at work within us. He wants to work through us and he is a speaking God. He's an active God in the world. So Paul continues, verse 4. Now there are different gifts but the same Spirit. There are different ministries but the same Lord. And there are different activities but the same God works all of them in each person. This brings up a theme that I tried to emphasize last week. That of unity amidst diversity. That our gifts and our ministries and our activities are going to be different. Even though we're part of the same family of God. But we, we learn to be united in the Spirit in the Lord Jesus and in God the Father. And it's this picture of the triune God that's in the Bible that forms the basis and is to be the, what our communities uh, are a reflection of. If you've ever heard this word Trinity, it refers to this idea that we see in the Bible that God is one and at the same time God is three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And there's this mysteriousness of how those things uh, interplay with one another, how those ideas interplay with one another. But for our purposes today, it's the idea that God is unified. He's completely unified within himself, yet there are three persons. There is diversity. And we as a family of God are to be a reflection of that. We're unified in God. We are brought in together through Christ that we are brought into his family. We have the same spirit in the same Lord. And there is going to still be diversity amidst us. And so rather than our gifts and our ministries and our activities, which are going to be different, rather than those becoming things that pull us apart or cause us to form you know, different kinds of churches uh, or to have fractions within our community and polarize us like the rest of the world is polarized, we need to dig deep into this idea that we are united in Christ. That is one spirit, one Lord, one gospel, one Jesus that draws us together despite our differences. That's the way that we'll be 
a reflection of this triune God in the world. So verse 7, a manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person for the common good. Three hugely important ideas in this section. The first, what is a spiritual gift? It is a manifestation of the Spirit. So when we turn our lives towards Jesus, when we agree with him, when we, as we saw in Acts, we repent, we're not walking away towards these mute idols. Instead, we're walking towards Jesus. We're receiving his gift of life and we're making ourselves open to being a home for God. Then God comes and he dwells in us, not only as individuals, but as a community. And so that's what a spiritual gift is, is that God's dwelling in us. And as I've said in the Genesis series and again in this series, God longs to work through us, to partner with us, to showcase his glory and to extend his shalom into the world. That that's what a spiritual gift is, that we get to play a part in doing that. So manifestation is given to who? It's given to each person. If you have done that, if you are making your life into a home for Jesus, if your arrow is pointed towards God and you're part of a family of God, then you do have a gift in order, a gift of, of the Holy Spirit. And what is that gift for? That's the last part. A manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person for the common good. The gift is not given to flaunt, to say like, look how great this gift that I have is, or I'm the most important person in the community. It's all, also not given to hide, to be like, I'm not gonna, you know, use my gifts. I'm not going to get involved until I know exactly what they are. I'm going to kind of sit in the background and recede and be a consumer. No, the gift is given for the common good. Uh, in Greek, the root of this word is actually the word help. The gift is used to help others for the common good, to grow the family of God in service of the family of God. And again, this brings up one of the early markers of the church that we've talked about, that the early church was devoted to we before me. For us, we could translate that into learning how not to be consumers, but to moving to be contributors. That's what the spiritual gifts are all about. So verse 8, Paul now goes on and he lists a bunch of these gifts. He says, To one is given a message of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, a message of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the performing of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits to another different kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. Now, we could probably do a 10-week series on the gifts here. Uh, and if that's helpful to you or you want to grab a coffee and talk more about it, let's, let's do so. But I'm going to keep it short again for today, and I just want to say three things. The first is that this is not a conclusive list of what the gifts are. Uh, and I say that because later on in chapter 12, Paul lists gifts again, and he includes some new ones. And if you go and read the rest of uh, the Bible and the New Testament specifically, you'll see that the lists in Romans and Ephesians and in 1 Peter, they have similarities to the list that we just read, but there are also some differences. So what I think is happening here and what I think we are encouraged to do by extension is that Paul and the, the authors of these New Testament letters, they're looking back at the way that God has worked, both in the Hebrew scriptures and in the person of Jesus and in the ways that he's promised to work in the church. And as they see those things happen, they look and they watch and they wait for God to identify those things or to identify those things, the ways that God is working in their community today. And that's why they have these lists. And I think it's the same thing that we're encouraged to do. As a community of learners, we go to God's word and we, we read about the ways that God has shown up in communities at the past, the way that he has gifted people. And then we learn to watch and wait for that in our own lives and in our church community. So it's not a conclusive list. The second thing is that Paul is also focusing here on what we might call the public 
more public and miraculous gifts in this passage. And that fits the context of what's going on. So let me just very briefly say what's happening in this passage. The book of 1 Corinthians or the letter of 1 Corinthians is written to a church and, and they've got five problems. That's what Paul is addressing. Uh, they include food, problems with food, and, and the way that sexuality are, is being used. And in this section, it's actually talking about the problem of how spiritual gifts are being used. They're being use, used in ways that cause chaos uh, amidst the group of people rather than bringing unity and serving one another. And specifically, Paul is talking about these kind of more miraculous or dramatic gifts because they are being causing way more disruption and chaos. And if you think about it, it makes sense. You know, it's pretty rare that a person has a gift of like serving or generosity and that that's just causing massive amounts of chaos in the community. It would be some of these more dramatic gifts that Paul is listing here that would, you know, probably cause quite a bit of disruption as people are speaking over one another uh, for example, in the gathering. So that's why I think Paul is addressing these ones here. But if you read the other passages, there are other gifts. And uh, they may be more, you know, dramatic gifts that we have. And there also are very quiet gifts, ways that we're able to serve uh, in those ways. So the third thing that I want to say here is, uh, here's a way I think of breaking up the gifts or, or distinguishing between them, categorizing them to help us understand uh, what the gifts are. If there's so many different ones and different ways that we could uh, chop them up, how do we uh, think about it in a more simplistic way? And uh, scholars have, have pointed out that Paul and many of the other New Testament authors, when they write about gifts, seem to distinguish between word gifts and deed gifts. Word gifts and deed gifts. Or you could say speaking gifts and serving gifts. Speaking and serving. That seems to be what Paul is doing here, according to the commentators I read. So he lists some speaking gifts, the gifts of wisdom, and the gifts of knowledge. And then some serving gifts, the gift of faith, the gift of healing, the gift of miracles. And then he switches back to some speaking gifts, the gifts of prophecy, distinguishing spirits, tongues, and interpretation. And again, remember that these are not all the gifts, they're just some of them. But that might be a really helpful way for you to just start thinking about in my life. Do I have a speaking gift, whether that's a gift of encouragement, or a gift of teaching, or you know, a gift of uh, wisdom? Or do I have more of a serving gift, a gift of maybe healing or miracles or faith or administration, uh, whatever it is, uh, that, that's one way of thinking about the gifts. And that brings up the big question I think that many of us probably have. Which gift do I have? That's what we want to know. Uh, so again, three things as we uh, kind of close up this section and think about how am I gifted if I'm a follower of Jesus to help to, uh, to, to showcase Jesus in our family, church family, and to serve each other. There's three things. The first is what, one thing I've already said, is just to be a learner. Are, do you know how God has acted in and throughout the history that's shown in the Bible? Do you know what God has done? And, and specifically, if you, you want to start somewhere, you're like, I'm not going to read through the whole Bible to find out how God has acted. Start with the person of Jesus. If, if God has come in the person of Jesus and shown us what it means that how he wants to work through people, look through the life of Jesus and just look at the ways that the Spirit works in Jesus' life and be open. Am I, is this a, an area that God is asking me to step into? The second is then to just try a bunch of different stuff. Um, and, and the easiest way to do this is to ask, what are the different ways that uh, needs serving within our church family? And then just try them out, just to volunteer. You might, you might easily identify a few that you're like, I'm not gifted. I am not going to lead musical worship. I'm right there with you. I'm not gifted in that area. But just to step into some of the other opportunities and places that we have to serve or, or no, areas in, that you know within our church family that need serving. And I want to exhort you, if you're a regular attender, 
or you're a member at Reality to find an area to serve within our church family. We are a church that they call a church with a small back pew, which just means that there's not an area kind of to sneak into the back and not know anyone or not get involved and then sneak back out again. Um, and that's by design. We want this to be a, a church family we often talk about, a group of people that we're calling into moving from being consumers to being contributors. And by, during COVID and the baby boom that continues on, uh, that back pew has got even smaller because many of the people who have served faithfully in our church family for years have either moved away during COVID or they have had a you know, kid or another kid. And so they praise God for the way that they've served in the past. They're just not able to do that now. So if you find yourself in a season where you can give, uh, you're not in a time where you, you know, you're working crazy hours or you have you know, very, very young kids at home, I encourage you to step in. And one of the things we ask all of our members to be involved in is serving once every four weeks. That's part of our rule of life, the way that we um, discipline ourselves to become more and more like Jesus and to serve each other. So I encourage you to do that and, and we need you to serve. One of the easiest ways to find out is just to go onto our website, realityvancouver.church, click on the serve page and just pray through them. Ask God, what is one thing I can step into this uh, in this season in order to serve your family there. So as we get back to gathering, back together in the next few weeks, I hope that we'll have more people serving in the areas that we need. So we listen and learn for what God has done, specifically in the person of Jesus. The second is we try different things. We step into different things. And then the third is that we actually listen to others, to the community around us, to see where God may have gifted us. And others will point it out. I think that, that's, that is the, one of the things about the, the gifts is that they're used, if they're used for uh, serving and helping the community of God, then the community of God should point those things out to us. Oftentimes, uh, I think people, or many times people will go and they'll find these spiritual inventory tests online, which is okay, they're great. Um, but but the, the goal or the problem with them, I would say, is when those things are not done within a community of people who know you and have seen you serving. So it's like, I'll have people coming to me. I had a person come to me a couple weeks ago and just say, yeah, I have the gift of teaching. It's identified in the spiritual inventory test, so I need a place to teach. I was like, well, that needs to be in seen and, and encouraged and identified within a community of followers of Jesus. And so th that's the way to do it. If you're going to do a spiritual inventory test, which is totally fine, do that, but then do it within a group of people who know you and have served alongside of you. And they can encourage you and agree with what you may uh, find on that test together. So listen for where the community is pointing it out. And this is maybe another encouragement to you. If you're a person who is serving with other people at Reality, then to come alongside of them for the places that you see God's face reflected in them. Maybe it's just their faithfulness that they show up week in after week out to say, thank you so much for showing God's faithfulness to me in the way that you're serving in this season. Or maybe they're just very gifted. They're leading musical worship and, and you just want to say thank you for leading us into the presence of God. I'm so grateful for the way that you did that. To call those things out in each other, to call out the gifts and the way that they reflect the person of God. That we might together grow in our knowledge of God and the way that he has gifted us. So there's a lot more to be said there, uh, but I'm going to leave it at that. And I hope that it makes for a really great conversation between in our church family. And maybe if you have some people over with you this morning uh, at lunch or, or in your community groups. And I want to end by just reading uh, the passage, uh, chapter 13. You know, in, this is a passage that's often read at weddings, but uh, in the context, it's actually about spiritual gifts. So let me read it for us. If I speak in human or angelic tongues, 
If I use that gift, but I don't have love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so that I can move mountains, but I don't have love, I am nothing. And if I give away my possessions and I give over my body in order to boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Paul is writing to the Corinthian church and to us that it's not the size of the gift that we have or the dramatic nature of it that ultimately matters. You know, it's not how many people you're performing this gift in front of that ultimately matters. This is something I've had to remind myself again and again during COVID as I sit in front of a camera. Uh, it's not about the number of people who will watch this that matters. It's about the change of nature that's brought about by the gospel in our lives, that we become people who are moved from self-centeredness to people of other-centered love through the grace of Jesus Christ. Love is the key that turns our gifts from a self-serving thing into a reflection of the God of the universe. Love is the characteristic that takes our gifts from just being duty, something that we mindlessly do as religion, into an act of worship in front of the king of the universe. And love is what allows us to go from accomplishing nothing, as Paul says, to participating in God's eternal story. He continues, love is patient, love is kind, especially to those who are different than you in the family of God. Love does not envy. It, does, it is not boastful. It is not arrogant. It is not rude. It's not just focused on self. It's hospitable, making room for other people. It's not self-seeking. It's not irritable. It does not keep a record of wrongs. I feel like God just wants me to repeat that to myself. It's not irritable. It doesn't keep a record of wrongs. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. This is the love that Christ offers to us and encourages us to offer each other in the use of our gifts. Love never ends. But as for prophecies, they'll come to an end. As for tongues, they'll cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will come to an end. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man or an adult, I put childish things aside. For now we only see a reflection as in a mirror, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully as I am fully known. Now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. This is the story of the Bible, that God is a God of love and that love himself became a person and gave himself fully for us in, in Christ. And in doing so, he invites us into this love, that this is our fundamental stance. This is the thing that unites us together. Not just once when we receive Jesus, but as a continual process, as Paul is saying here, that we grow up into love. So what might God be inviting you into today? To grow up into his love and use your gifts to serve his family. Let's pray. God, thank you that you are a God who is at work. Open our eyes to see where you're at work, not only in our own lives as we practiced earlier, but in our community. You're at work through people. You shine your face, not only through just the humanity of each individual that we are made in your image, but also through the giftings that you give us to showcase the kind of God you are. May we be a group of people who are united together in love. May all these things be true, not only of our marriages, but of our family that we are a group of people who love one another just as you have loved us. And, and through that, I ask that you would showcase 
your goodness and your grace and your glory and your face into the world. We pray these things together. Pray a blessing over each person that's listening and their family and their home this week. May you meet them. May your presence dwell with them richly. May you protect them until we meet again next week. In the name of Christ, amen. Amen.